Thank you for listening to the 30th episode of the Career Planning Show, on which we interview Chicago-based Lauren Greif, who provides career coaching services to creatives and marketers looking to tap into the hidden job market and land their next career move. After completing a BA in English at Skidmore College, Lauren worked in a number of marketing roles in New York and Chicago, then worked in recruitment and executive search at four different firms, and she now provides career coaching solutions through her firm, Portfolio Rocket. In this interview, we discussed how to tap into the hidden job market, the value that building your network can play in your career growth, how to get referred into a job that will be a great next step in your career, and how to use LinkedIn as a landing page as part of your job search process. If you'll enjoy this interview, consider connecting with Lauren Greif on LinkedIn and learn more about her career coaching services for creatives and marketers at PortfolioRocket.com. Welcome to the Career Planning Show. Our guest today is Lauren Greif. How are you, Lauren? I am well. Thank you so much, Alex. Lauren, can you walk us through your career journey so far from your English undergraduate degree up until today? For sure. So I think a lot of people go for the English um, English degree because if you're a big reader and you like to write, it's a bit of a no-brainer. But the reason why um, I chose English was because I knew very early on that communication was going to be so important in any area of my career that I wanted to pursue. And I did, I, I, I just knew that I wanted to be in advertising. I, I knew that the marriage between a creative and business problem was exactly where I could shine because my brain works both left brain and right brain. And really I can't you know, take either one of them away. I don't wanna mm. just be all creative and I don't wanna be all business. So that seemed to be the most logical conclusion and when I graduated from college, um, I was absolutely hell-bent and determined to move to New York City. I had a couple of offers for advertising agencies in Boston and in Washington, D.C. And I thought to myself, you know what, if I'm going to go learn about advertising, hmm. I'm going to go where the real deal is. And it took me a long time to crack into a worldwide agency, but eventually that happens. So keep your eye on the prize. Don't take it off of where your goals are because it may not happen overnight, but it definitely can happen. And I landed a job at a global advertising agency called J. Walter Thompson, which to this day is one of the oldest and most widely known and climbed the corporate ladder there to the point where I was pretty much on the younger end of my life. I was about 28 years old and I was the youngest vice president in the firm. And that was really exciting. But um, at that point also, I was married, I was ready to have kids. We moved to Chicago and I left the advertising world primarily because I wanted to find out what was happening in the category of design and marketing and understand what was coming next. Hmm. So I really immersed myself in the world of e-commerce and started learning everything there was to learn at the time of things that were non-traditional, digital, uh, user experience, 
how um, performance marketing was working in its infancy in its very, very early stages. And that has become more or less my life's work ever since. In fact, I was recruited to recruit for this breed of talent because of the knowledge and the relationships that I had built in understanding how this breed of creatives and marketers thinks and how they are valued in organizations so that I would be able to place them and also help businesses transform and, and be at the cusp of innovation. Mm, that's really great. And so you had the opportunity to work in the recruitment space and uh, you ended up working for a few recruitment firms and then you ended up working with an executive search talent um, focused uh, company. Can you tell us about that part of your journey? Sure. So being in the recruitment space is, is all about two things. It's about great talent and it's about making sure that you are matching that great talent up with the needs of your client. And so what is great talent, right? It's a, it's a great kind of headline or neon sign that says, what is great talent? And of course, for every client, it's different, but understanding their wants and needs because they are your audience. Mm -hmm. And they are also, if you're on the recruiting side, those clients are paying for your service hmm. and that talent is a product, hmm. right? So they are paying for this product person talent to come and deliver on a specific problem that they have. And so as the, the middle ground between representing the talent and also fulfilling the needs of the client, you are listening to both sides of the challenge both on the business side, but also, of course, on the cultural side and on the skills side. And what I love so much about that and where it's taken me today is that so much talent doesn't realize how to market their talent. Hmm. So when you are doing your job, it's very difficult to see how it's impacting a larger picture. But if you have somebody that is able to offer that translation and be able to showcase, okay, so this is what you did. Let's talk about the impact of it and why that matters to this particular client. Then we are able to put the breadcrumbs into place, connect the dots, and then have that person really be a very very strong and integral part of a larger team and a larger mission. That's really helpful. And, and so if, um, let's say you were someone who um, was in their late 20s, early, early 30s, um, you had um, a career um, that um, seemed to be a good fit, but you're not super passionate about and you're now trying to identify what's next. How can you add more value to society? How you, can you further leverage your skills? Is there a train of thought that you would go on if you were that person to try to get to a point where you better understand what your skill set is? What is it that you should be focusing your career 
um, on regards to problems that organizations and individuals are facing in society, how you can serve in that environment. Yes. So this is um, a very near and dear topic to me because most people these days are not going from A to Z. You know, they're, they're going through multiple pivots throughout their career. They are um, taking what they love and leaving the rest behind so that they're navigating to what's next, what's next, what's next. I would suggest that the first thing before you do anything, before you do anything is really assess your internal brand. Your internal brand is your inside of what it is you absolutely love to do. What could you talk about for hours with nobody stopping you? What do you find yourself doing that you, you just are getting better rewards than quote unquote normal people? What are people coming to you for and asking you, hey, you know, I keep, I, 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 you know, you, you're the, you're the guru on this, or you're the person that I trust the most to talk about this particular issue. So, you know, essentially doing a scan of the things that not only you love to do, but that other people are also seeing you as more of an expert in. And just as a qualifier, an expert doesn't need to be somebody with massive degrees or stand in the, in the front of a large audience. An expert is just somebody who has more, who has one hour more experience than somebody else or has taken a deep dive in a particular area. So after you have some level of assessment and brain dump it out, don't leave it in your head brain dump it out, literally like write it out, the things that I love to talk about, the things that just fill me with joy and happiness and the, the evidence of the places where you've excelled in the past. Mm. You know, the facts don't lie. If you've been promoted many times, if you have um, initiated a certain type of project, if you just find yourself lost in spreadsheets, there are good, good hints in there. Hmm. And so getting it out on, on pen and paper is a great first step. And then what I would suggest is start connecting those dots by talking to people that are in positions you wish you had. Hmm. How did hmm. they get there? What, what are the skills that they're using every single day? What do they love about their job? Is that the same thing you love hmm. or is there something else? So Sometimes I suggest also, you know, you have to turn into a bloodhound and you're going to follow those scents from one thing to the next to the next. But it really, it really is um, a bit of a soul searching process. Mm -hmm. And don't shy away from that. There, there, any, any direction that you set your mind to and commit to will lead to answers. Your answers may change or your questions may change. But if you stay on that path, clarity will come. Hmm. That's really helpful. And now that we're talking about um, this uh, move from someone being early in their career to, to having a significant amount of experience in their profession, um, one concept that comes to mind is the hidden job market. Mm -hmm. um, can you share from your perspective what uh, are some of the aspects of this hidden job market and how 
they can potentially impact someone's career journey, perhaps early in their career versus later on in their career? Sure. So for anyone who is um, hearing about this term, the hidden job market, I want you to know, first and foremost, it is real. Um, there's been some conversations, oh, you know, this is just a big scam or, you know, it's a lie and you should go through the applicant tracking systems. So first and foremost, it happens. People get found all the time through the hidden job market. And just so you know, the hidden job market is not some secret society. It's not hiding out in a special file drawer that you can't have access to. It is available and open to anyone at any time. The reason why it is called hidden is because these are opportunities that are not posted online. Now, why would they not be posted? Several reasons. First of all, putting postings online is very expensive. Um, it's expensive to post it, but it's also expensive for the man hours to go through the tonnage of applications. Secondly, the reason why is because companies may not have a fully baked open role where there's a, 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 an ideal job description that they're completely ready for, but they're willing to have conversations and meet people in the process. So you may be at the right time in the right place. You will never know what's happening behind the scenes at an organization. If somebody was recently let go, somebody is going on maternity leave and has not, it, it, it may not come back. Somebody's moving within the organization. So an opening is there. So you will not know. You may be in the right place at the right time and they just haven't posted that opportunity yet, but you are there. Lastly, what I want to share is that you can, anyone can at any point in time, and yes, it does require a strategy, is to pitch a place within that organization, provided that you are coming to them with a really smart business reason why they should hire you. Now, it sounds like, oh my God, that could never happen. But it does happen, and it also happens, as I, we talked about before, whereby somebody is able to come in and interview for one opportunity and then gets hired for something that is more senior. Hmm. And that is by virtue of taking some kind of really, really strategic action. Hmm. That's really so interesting. The hidden, the hidden job market is very real, but I also want to say this. There is a degree of compliance that is advised and you will see organizations that are required to post jobs. What I want you to know about that is just because it's posted doesn't mean that there isn't a preferred or even internal candidate who is aligned to fill that job. So be careful because if somebody says to you, oh yeah, you know, it's posted, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have a pre-identified candidate that's sitting in the wings. So always ask, is there somebody internally or do you have a pre-identified candidate? Because even if they say no, you have asked the question and you're coming at it from a very smart 
um, and savvy job seeker, you know, point of view, because that mm -hmm. happens all the time. So uh, I'll just I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that because um, it could it could this is the topic I could go on about all day long and well, I'll scare you. <laughs> well, let's definitely dive a little bit deeper into that because um, as someone who um, speak with a lot speaks with a lot of people who after a while get discouraged um, you know you whether you currently have a job and you're applying for other jobs that you find would be more suitable for you based on your skills and experience or you're unemployed and and you're applying for jobs and you're just not getting that many responses um, there obviously are a few pieces to the puzzle, including the quality of resume, the quality of your cover letter. Um, are you submitting the application just to the online system or also are you also trying to find the email address of the hiring manager and emailing them um, specifically? But assuming that all of those things have been taken care of, um, you can still end up being discouraged because you're not getting interviews or you keep on getting interviews and you're just not getting selected. And there potentially are, as you said, individuals within the organization that get preference, whether it's a unionized environment, as you'll find in the public sector, um, or um, there just simply are internal candidates that applied and based on the culture of their organization and the policies that they set in place, um, it's those internal candidates that get preference. As, you know, seeing that situation, you've mentioned something very interesting, which is finding a way to put together a business case when potentially there isn't even a job posted. Um, are there any other ideas that you would have? Any thoughts as to how to overcome this real challenge that quite a few people are facing as they're trying to secure a suitable job? Yes, um, you know, what you said is true. An internal candidate is always going to be the number one choice, right? So clearly somebody who has invested in the organization, who is known in the company, who has built up some equity, if they're doing a good job, chances are they're gonna to wanna to keep them and keep them satisfied and retain them. The next best preferred place where hiring managers go are referrals are referred candidates. Basically a referral means that there is somebody in the company or even maybe a friend or a business colleague who made a recommendation, who took a stand on behalf of this candidate. In, in, in layperson's terms, what they're saying is, I trust this person to come into your organization because I know them and they are all that and they have done all this. So what that does in terms of a hiring manager's mind or somebody on the recruiting side is it gives them a leg up, right? They want to obviously honor the referral, the person in the organization who has made this, but also it's gonna save them time, right? They're gonna to have to go through all of these applications through the applicant tracking system and or you know hopefully they've gone through their their pipeline of past candidates but somebody taps them on the shoulder and says hey by the way this person's amazing and i know them and i had coffee with them last week and you know i think that you should talk to them that is a way in that is not only powerful but should be really part of a job strategy early on 
building referrals. And building referrals is something that requires getting outside of your comfort zone. What I'm talking about here and how we're, you know, navigating this conversation is more than networking. I want to really frame it in, in the, under the umbrella of capital, personal and professional capital. Anybody in the finance world understands how compound interest works. Even somebody like me, who is not, not a numbers geek, knows how powerful compound interest is. And one of the things that I will leave your audience with that has been so effective is having a networking strategy, actually having a strategy that allows for that compound interest to develop. It requires one hour a day, that's two coffees in one hour. So two half hour coffees, five times a week, that's 10 people. You times that by a month, that's 40 people. You times that by the number of people that they know, you have immediately 200 people that, that you have developed outreach with. Hmm. One of the most common mistakes that I see, regardless of what level you anyone is at in their career, is they hmm. say, yeah, I've been networking. And then I'll say, well, what does that mean? Hmm. And they'll say, well, you know, I'm calling this person and I haven't heard back from this person. Go outside. Yes, of course, tap into your alumni contacts, past past, you know, people that you work with, coworkers and past bosses. But really where the equity is, is getting outside of your pre-existing network into new areas so that you are filtrating that pond with new opportunities and new leads rather than recycling that old, those old contacts over and over again, which eventually becomes like no different than drinking dirty bath water. So you need to flood that pond with some, and I'm using that, that visual for a reason, right? Flood it with fresh water, bring in new streams. And you continue to do that and keep it organized on a spreadsheet because after a while it will become like an ice cream headache. You will need to know where these people are when you spoke to them last and you know, just as important as it is for them to be, you know, helpful on their end, you have to be, a, you have to be responsive and appreciative on your end too. Mm-hmm. How can you also add value to them? How can you send them an article? Who can you introduce them to? Mm-hmm. You know, always come at it as how you are going to offer something up. It's a reciprocal relationship. And you want to come at it as as somebody who is giving just as much as you are asking. Those are great concepts, um, and and speaking to adding value and and uh, you know finding solutions for people when uh, you know once you have an understanding of who they are and and what their needs are. Tell us about some of the main challenges that your career coaching practice helps address. I know that a good chunk of um, your clients are more experienced in their profession. Uh, Maybe you can share a bit about uh, some of the challenges that they are facing and how um, you help uh, someone overcome some of those challenges. Awesome. They may be senior, but the 
issues that they're facing are what I believe to be universal. Mm -hmm. um, the first one, and I just want to put this out there because I think it is so ever present, is that they confuse their LinkedIn profile with an online resume. And they treat LinkedIn like a poster. And most people will say, I'm on LinkedIn. And then the question is, well, what is it doing for you? Hmm. So what I suggest is that rather than treat it like a poster or a billboard, it really needs to be treated like a landing page. And landing pages for anybody that is not familiar with that term has a reason for being and you're looking for conversions, right? You're looking for some action to happen as a result of that page. So if LinkedIn is for you, Alex, or for me, a landing page, I need to let my audience know what I want them to do. And so, you know, are you wanting them to read an article? Are you willing, are you wanting them to contact you in the direct messages? And so optimizing that placement is key. And there are so much, there's so many experts out there that specialize in this. I definitely cover it in my program as well, but there are people that just exclusively work to optimize your LinkedIn profile um, with you know, the key elements, they call them the fab four, your headline, your profile picture, your, your headline um, and the about section. So again, please do not regurgitate your resume online on LinkedIn. Yes, of course, you'll have your experience, but there's so much prime real estate, your banner and your about section that you can use to tell your story and differentiate yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing that even no matter how senior you are, that mistake is there. The second one is you have to know your stories, right? Mm -hmm. What problems do you solve? I use the acronym PAR. I'm sure other people use it too. It's very common. Your problem, action, result. I like to add the L and the A, PARLA. So it's problem, action, result, learnings, and application. So that allows you to say, but what I learned from this is the following and how I would apply it here is also a great way to make that conversation and share how that problem and solution applies to your hiring managers or recruiters. Mm -hmm. So telling your story would be the second most common challenge that most of my clients face. And there's no shame in any of this. The truth of the matter is, it's hard to have that perspective and step back and to be able to see a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And the third one, I will say, is being able to navigate through the interview process to make sure that at every step of that, of the entire process, you are not only owning it, but coming prepared and well-researched to the point where you are timing yourself with your stories and you are doing as much research as is, I mean, there's so much available, but coming at it from a show me, you know me standpoint. I just had a client this, uh, I guess it was late last week. And because he had done such incredible job prepping, he was hearing a term 
um, from this chief information officer that he was interviewing with. And he was able to very strategically place it in his story. And what that said to the hiring manager is, ah, you've been paying attention. You showed me, you know me. And with that, you know, it, it just cemented a level of trust and investment that he had made. And of course, set himself apart from other people that were just going on the very surface of maybe what was on the corporate website and, you know, some of the easier information to scan. So um, every, every time somebody's winning in an interview, it's because of all the things that, you've, that they've done behind the scenes. <laughs> you will never know how much they did. I have one client that prepped 40 hours for, for a job that he absolutely wanted for Amazon and he got it. That's amazing. So do not underestimate the power of research for your interviews. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been really insightful. I wonder what's next for Lauren. Mm, what's next for Lauren? So this has been this has been a hell of a year already. Um, the business has been growing. I am working on a book and um, really pulling together a way to make this fun and unlike anything else. Because my biggest mission um, in life is to ensure that the job search process which right now most people don't necessarily get all fired up about it is something that people start to understand you have a lot of control and um, ability to really create something that is yours and ownable rather than just throwing it out there and putting it in the hands of a recruiter or an applicant tracking system. This mm -hmm. belongs to you like a custom suit or gown. You know, not a one size fits all off the rack. This is yours to customize, yours to create. And because I feel so passionately about the, the ability to do that in order for fulfillment to be a, a lasting process, I, I have dedicated my life to it. So um, exciting. <laughs> Looking forward to the book. <laughs> yes. So Lauren, how can the listeners of the Career Planning Show follow your work and keep in touch with you? So I have to practice what I preach. I, I post almost every single day on LinkedIn. Please feel free to follow me. I have an amazing newsletter also that I will share um, the link to. And I, it comes out every other week. And included in that is a moonshot, something that I, a video that I put in there that I uh, reserve exclusively for my subscribers. Uh, really, really fun tips and tricks. And, you know, um, the rest is you can always come to portfoliorocket.com and, and, and check out some of my latest news. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on the Career Planning Show. Thank you, Alex. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for everything. If you enjoyed this interview with Lauren Greif, please subscribe to the Career Planning Show, rate it, and share it with a friend.